Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to William Liu out of Australia as part of our series on photography. Uh, as always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, mattlucasbkk, or email me at a.mattlucas at gmail.com. I always welcome feedback or information, suggestions for a new series or shows. Uh, thanks, as always, to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast or leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review that would be helpful, helpful you can do so on the iTunes store. I recently came out with another Behind the Fight, which looked at Super Bon Banchemek as he prepares for his bout against Siddhachai Sitsong Pinong on July 31st at One Championship's No Surrender. Uh, so I wanted to personally thank a few people, Vinny Scotto, Patrick Rivera, Dave Brooks, Sean Madden, Wendell Galano, Chris Tran, um, for helping me out uh, when I had my camera broken they pitched in they helped me buy a new camera so i really really appreciate you guys thanks also to patrick rivera for helping me get this show started um he's doing a lot of big things opening up his next branch of valor martial arts in northern california also if you haven't picked up a copy already i've published i'm fighting in thailand a guide to the sport in the motherland. It's comprised of a series of articles going over scoring, matchmaking, picking a gym, fight styles, gambling, uh, and a lot more. It also has a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealey, Angela Chang, and others. It's a very good guide meant to help educate and guide people's careers by helping save them from costly mistakes. Uh, thanks, as always, to my sponsors, Nakmoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Check out their gear at www.nakmoylegends.com. Use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. Uh, so, a little bit about William Liu. He first started Muay Thai and martial arts um, at 19 years old at Nemesis Martial Arts in Australia. He's still there today. Uh, during a period when he was injured, he couldn't walk. So, he actually ended up borrowing his father's camera, started using it, um, and eventually tagged along at shows, started doing photography for his teammates. From there, he went on to work bigger shows. Uh, the natural introvert became the official photographer for Rebellion uh, Muay Thai, a very, very large and successful show out of Melbourne. Um, he began photography at 21 years old. It's been nine years later. Uh, so the 30-year-old is now freelancing, making a living off of photography, graphic design, and his love of the sport. Uh, so without further ado, the interview with William Liu. Uh, so thank you, William, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So off air, we were briefly mentioning some photographers in the community. Um, you are really inspired by Scott Harano, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, how did you find out about his work? What was that process like? It was sheer luck. Back then when I first started doing fight photography, there weren't that many fight photographers in Australia that captured my attention. So I did a lot of late night stalking on Facebook and came across someone called Scott Hirano. So I browsed his Facebook page and really connected with a lot of his images. And at the time, his Facebook page was called Scott Hirano Fight Photography, which gave me the inspiration for WL Fight Photography, 
which stuck with me ever since. And it was good timing because this was around 2011, 2012, when Scott was working with the Muay Thai Premier League in America. And I saw that he captured some big names like Borkow, Yodson Clay, Petrosian and Kevin Ross. And his style at the time was what I wanted to achieve as well. It wasn't anything fancy. It was just well uh, compositioned photos of athletes in their combat sports. He captured them in a way which made them look like almost like superheroes. So I reached out to him on Facebook and he was nice enough to reply to me and give me feedback on my early work. So I still try to keep in touch with him every now and then. Um, I didn't have anyone big to practice on back then. So I just practiced with my novice fighters and eventually it helped me develop the style that I have now. So you were very inspired by uh, Scott Hirano's early work. Um, how would you describe that your own work and how has looking at other people's work influenced you? I think it's good to be inspired by people's work. It helps you develop your own style too. You look at the pros like James Law, Ryan Loco, or Esther Lin, you see what they do and you just try and capture that with what you have, um, whether it be the models that you work with or the gyms that you work with. And it's, I think it's really important to have your own style because you need to be distinctive amongst the competition. Mm-hmm. And so how are you unique from other photographers? I tell everybody, I like to capture fights from the perspective of a fight fan. And the way I shoot, it's almost like a, it's almost like storytelling. I'm trying to capture as much detail in the photographs as I can. And if it adds to the story, I'll just add people into it, like the referees or the corners or the audience. I want to create images that you can look at for a long time. I'll give you an example. Like the referees, they're almost like the silent heroes. They're protecting the fighters when they're in danger and making sure that the fight's as clean as can be. Um, and working with referees can be challenging when they block your photos, but that's not because of them. It's, you know, you have to work your way around that. And obviously their responsibility outweighs what you have to do. And I miss many clean shots, but you learn to work alongside them and anticipate what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, it's a small world Everyone involved, whether it be referees, officials, the MCs, or the video crews, you're all working together to achieve the one goal. Mm -hmm. You actually talked a bit about positioning of referees um, in your interview with Elias recently. Uh, I want to say his last name, but I feel like I would murder it. Um, I'm going to give my best attempt, Dolapsis. (laughs) hopefully uh he heard that and you said it correctly uh if not hopefully he wasn't listening um so you elias sort of talked about having a triangle in relationship to where he's standing in regards to the fighters where do you try to ideally position the referee in your photos i'm not fussed they can either be in the background in the center or to the side the way I'm looking at these photos coming from a design and advertising background, I want my photos to be able to be used for marketing materials. So I don't want, ideally, I don't want people obstructing the fighters. If they're in the background, they add to it or they can be easily cropped out afterwards. But every referee has, has their own ways of moving around the fighters and you just learn the movements over time. Mm-hmm. And what for you is sort of the ideal positioning for the uh, fighters? Um, Well, personally, I like to try and be as neutral as I can. So I like to position myself in the center of the ring so I can cover the most amount of action from a neutral spot without moving too much. I'll make it work and I mentally plan out how I capture my shots from where I'm sitting for the whole of the events. And it's funny because I was speaking to Timo Rouge about this the first time I met him he was talking about his time in Thailand capturing fights at the shows talking about his position ringside saying that that spot was earned it wasn't given to him and it's almost like what I tell people when I first started a lot of the officials and promoters would never give me a spot I had to fight my way to get there so I would start by working at the neutral corner or the blue and red corners and then Eventually, after time, when I made friends with them, when I'm connections built, they realized I wasn't getting in the way. So I was slowly granted better access and better position to allow me to capture the fights. 
Yeah, that happens with fight photography out here. Uh, for example, at Raja Demnern, uh, Lex Siam, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not. He's always super ringside. He's able to get on the ring itself, while other photographers will have to be a little lower down. Yeah. Um, so I think that happens with every stadium or every show around town. What sort of photography do you like the most? Do you like the ringside action and why do you like it? I like them all, actually. They're all exciting to me in their own different ways. I mean, you know, everyone wants to be ringside getting that knockout photo that's going to get them all the likes and shares. But generally, most of what you capture in a ring when it's two people clashing shins, it's going to be a pretty cool shot. And you can be a bit complacent when you're just sitting in one spot taking photos. Uh, doing gym photography at gyms, it's a good place to build relationships and learn about the gyms, learn about the trainers, learn about the fighters. But you also have to switch your mindset because you're thinking about the branding and marketing. You're not, so, you're not really shooting for yourself. You're trying to capture capture what they want to use to promote their gym mm -hmm. and i find backstage photos to be the most challenging yet rewarding it's a very intimate setting to be and you can be very close up with someone during these tense moments my personal rule is when i arrive at a venue i like to introduce myself to everyone ringside and backstage to let them know that i'm there and i have a, a few words with people to get them warmed up and get myself warmed up and i'll pop by every now and then backstage to get people used to me being around it's almost like i'm a trainer or i'm like a event staff so it's easier when i'm going backstage and i'm pulling out my camera to take pictures of them and my style of photography is i don't really do much posed images i prefer candid shots it's shots that you have to physically work to to capture because it makes it more rewarding for example if you have a prime fixed lens you have to physically move your body in and out and around to get the right composition instead of creeping from the back with a zoom lens. It requires a bit more judgment to see if the fighter or camp is happy to let me photograph them. But, you know, once you've been around backstage for so long, you get the vibe, you know where you should be and where you can't be. Mm -hmm. Do you use a photo, uh, a camera with a fixed lens? Uh, no, I actually use a wide angle lens and that's the only lens I have for the entire show. I like... I like to run around the venue every now and then. So I want to have equipment that lets me be very mobile. Uh, can you say that again? You actually broke up for a second. Oh, sorry. I think that's my internet. Um, I was saying I shoot with just a wide angle lens. I like to be mobile when I'm working at venues. I like to be very quick on my feet and having the one lens and one body allows me to be very quick and be quick with my feet. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. What, um, you actually had the interview with uh, Nugget McNaught, and you talked a lot about being backstage and what it's sort of like. How do you feel like the pictures you take backstage are different from the ringside photos? It's full of raw emotions. A lot of fans can go to fight shows. If they even the best paying fans, they might get the closest seats ringside, but a lot of them won't get granted backstage access. That's where you see everyone let loose, everyone relax. It's almost like seeing the calm before the storm. It's a very mm -hmm. cool moment seeing everyone at their most vulnerable moments. Why, why do you think the fighters feel so vulnerable backstage? And do you see fighters that don't feel that? It's hard to tell. I mean, you know, Muay Thai, a lot of them have poker faces, so you can't really tell. But it's almost like because it's, when we when there was, well, before COVID, Australia had fights almost every weekend. And it was almost like a weekend gathering with all the trainers across town getting together. So there was that level of comfort, that level of um, brotherly catch-up. But then again, you know, moments before your fight starts, you see the most cheerful fighters. Like I'll give you an example, like Spring Sia, one of the most cheerful fighters and people I know. But when she's about to switch on, she gets pretty quiet. And that's when you know it's game time for her. Mm.
What is it like for you to see sort of these character changes in the athletes? Do you like it? And how are you able to capture that change in your photos? I'm not sure how I can capture the change. I try to be like a fly in the wall and I observe a lot of these fighters, I've seen them from the very first fight to the very first, very last fight. So, um, yeah, I can't really answer that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you stumped me. There. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you recently started doing the In Focus series, which is you interview people uh, over that you photographed over the last nine years. So Tom Gathercole, uh, Nugget yep. McNaught, you did Springsea, uh, you did Elias, um, you've done a handful of people. Why did you start that series? What is it like? Can you just talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, In Focus was a concept I actually toyed with for many years, but never found the right way to execute the idea. In the past, I tried doing caption overlays and video content, but it didn't really translate well. And with the whole COVID-19 lockdown situation, majority of meetings was moving to Zoom. And I found that to be the perfect platform for me to put this idea to action. So how it works is I have a guest that I go through and I select a hand full of evoking images to break down with the other person. I would start by breaking down what went through my mind at the time of shooting and then I would pass the mic to them. And I think it's a fun concept that breaks the mold of your standard interviews format and keeps things fresh. Because they're not looking at me, they're not look, they're not making up answers. They're looking at a photo of themselves, and some of them haven't even seen those photos before. So I suppose the beauty and limitations of the series is that I can only have guests that I already have a working relationship with. And with the COVID nineteen situation happening, I missed out on doing a lot of events and being at a lot of gym shoots. So I was asking myself, how can I create new content if I can't leave my house? And I've seen a lot of my work and also other people's work being stolen and monetized by other brands and, you know, repost pages. I'm still a bit shy talking in front of a camera, but I said to myself, it's a good time to learn a new skill. So I pushed myself to get in front of the camera and start the series. Hmm. And what have you learned from doing it? I learned how to be a better interviewer. I still suck. But I tell people I'm learning as I go along. It's a learning process. You learn a lot about the sport and what people have to say. Like hearing what our referee, Elias Delapsis, said, saying he was so nervous and wanted to throw up before he <laughs> had to referee um, the rematch bout between Petrosian and Pechmorokat at one championship. I think it just makes him seem more human, you know? Yeah, I think I would have been very, very nervous about that as well yeah there's a lot laying on the line for that one yeah and if you've seen elias referee before he's a very stern man like he lays down the laws very firm very strict with his orders and just hearing him go through these moments it's it was very cool to hear you said that doing this series has helped make you a better interviewer what sort of questions do you feel like you're asking or what skills are you developing what sort of interview skills are you developing? I don't know if I've developed any skills yet. I'm only 10 episodes in, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of fight-related interviews, and the same questions I always hear bring up, uh, being brought up is, tell me about your you know, training, tell me about how you got into the sport. For me, when I'm doing all my late-night edits, I'm looking at photos and there's always questions that come up. I'm thinking to myself, what are they feeling at that particular moment? Who is in the corner? Why did they have this person in the corner? Did they see that, did they see that there was something wrong with that corner post? Little bits and pieces in my photograph that I wanted more of a breakdown on. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you feel like your curiosity is being satisfied in asking these questions? I think so. And I've gotten some pretty positive feedback from people saying you're asking the questions that they want to hear as well. And I guess that's just the way I think, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think if I was to have one goal from this is to share these answers and share these responses with up and coming fans, up and coming fighters too. What do you feel like the 
things that they'll learn from this series will be? And how is it different from, you know, learning other things? Um, the main thing is probably learning that even the professional fighters, they're just like you. They're, they're feeling the same emotions just like you. No matter what you're feeling, it's nothing uncommon. Those butterflies, those nerves, those self-doubts, it's, it's quite normal. And um, you, what do you feel are some of the unseen challenges in being a photographer? The unseen challenges of being a photographer would be finding consistent work, seeing that people is ripping off your work, having clients not realizing the amount of work and time it takes to edit, archive, and expecting things done for free. My personal thing is it's the pressure. I remember three years ago, uh, three years into my photography, I was the only one ringside for the fight between John Wayne Parr and Toby Smith. I don't know if you saw that one. It was a changing of the guard in the Muay Thai scene. Yes, exactly. It was a huge fight for Australian Muay Thai. And I was luckily, I, unfortunately, I couldn't get center position for that one. So I was kicking myself. I got stuck at the neutral corner. And I kept saying to myself, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up. <laughs> the whole fight, even at the prelims. But it ended up being a decent TKO moment because the fight got stopped right in front of me where I was sitting. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, I'm at a stage now where I feel like I'm expected to produce the same consistent amount of work for every event. And it, I don't know, it could just be self-imposed pressure that I put on myself. But sometimes you can't get that clean knockout shot every time. You can't get that clean symmetrical white crew shot. A lot of people think they can be a good photographer, but it's not about taking a few snaps at a show and posting it on social media. I think it's the ability to produce consistent results no matter the situations, adapting to all venues, regardless of lighting or level of fighters. And every now and then, you might get a gem. Mm -hmm. And I think being a graphic designer helps me picture how I want my photographs to look on the marketing materials. So I'm always thinking about that when I'm taking my pictures. And it's helpful when I create the Rebellion Muay Thai artwork and posters. Um, I'm always open to meeting new people because I think back to our, when I started getting help and advice from Scott Ferrano. But, you know, it's a shame because there's some people out there that they try turning on the charm and then they go behind your back and try to use your reference to take your clients or even undercut you. But, mm -hmm. man, it's, it's, it's a small world and you can't be burning bridges like that. It's the same as the fighter and trainer relationship. You just mm -hmm. got to be upfront with these things. Don't say you're a first-time photographer and say you want some tips on getting work and then you make a Facebook page calling yourself Fight Photographer Australia. It's, mm. it's almost the same as you're leaving a long-time gym and saying to your trainer, I'm taking a break, but then you end up going to another gym. Mm -hmm. Have, has that happened to you a lot, like people taking your work? Yeah, there's been a handful of times, but you, I'm, I'm still very helpful with everybody, but then you... I'm very cautious with what they do afterwards. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm still very keen to meet new, new faces. Yeah. You've uh, obviously worked a lot of different venues. What are some of the challenges in working in new venues? And do you have a specific favorite venue that you've worked on? Um, not so much. Like I've worked on sh shows like, event style shows like Rebellion Muay Thai and then you have your more intimate shows like Siam to Sydney and then you have your stadium shows like the UFC I mean they all have its own atmosphere and I just try to capture the vibe and audience that it brings because at the end of the day it's just two fighters in the ring in a venue but it's about the people around the promotion that creates the atmosphere so that's what mm -hmm. I try and bring out of my photography and I'm being paid by the promoter to be there to capture the event and not doing anything else for myself. And you started working uh, for Rebellion on the first one. Are you still shooting regularly for Sai? Yeah, being good mates with Sai ever since then, it was almost sheer luck, really. I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. he, he took a chance on me, and I was just very fortunate to be given that, that opportunity. And from Rebellion 1, we went on to do many shows together, and I began working on the artwork side of things for... 
you've been working for Rebellion for quite some time, obviously, since the first show. Um, can you talk a little bit about the growth of Rebellion and its place in Muay Thai in Australia? I think Rebellion came at the right time. It was just something that happened at the right place at the right time. During that time, there was a lot uh, of kickboxing shows in our Damn. state of Victoria. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, Rebellion Muay Thai happened at the right place at the right time. Mm. During that period, there was a huge kickboxing scene in my state of Victoria. And Rebellion Muay Thai provided, a pure, uh, provided what every purist wanted. 100% Muay Thai. No shin pads. Just full Thai rules. That was the goal from the very start. And, and go ahead. Um, and yeah, I was just lucky to have my role, my role grow as a photographer to a designer to help promote the brand and create that unique look for Rebellion. How do you do the design work? What, how would you describe it as well? I try to create my artwork that's going to be appealing to the general public. I mean, I'm sure you've seen posters that's got blood splattered everywhere um, with brutal fights all over it or those funny Thai-style posters that that promotes a Matt Lucas versus Adam King. I don't know if you've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That was a good one. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to try and create artistic, uh, artistic posters for everyone to enjoy and just to show the general public a side of martial arts that they haven't seen before i tell everybody it's like i want to capture the artistic side of martial arts mm-hmm. and you have a graphic design and marketing background how do you feel that plays into uh, your fight photography it's helped me in understanding how my photos will be used after it's been taken it's i mean you know yourself it's not just about taking the photos it's about capturing the moments understanding how it's going to be used, how it's going to be marketed, what's it going to be used for. I'll give you an example. I wouldn't be, I would have a different mindset capturing fights as I do at the gym. If I'm at the gym, I'm there to capture the gym culture to promote, to attract new students. I would try to avoid those hard sparring days where people get smacked in the face. I'll leave that to the ring. I'm trying to capture a happy gym culture for gym photography and capture the gritty stuff for fight shows mm. and and understanding branding helps with that too uh, why is branding important and how do you think it plays into the general muay thai world because you've sort of talked about how you make things a little more fan friendly or not as blood and guts is that i feel like that's a marketing and branding decision I can give you a little um, spiel. Like, I think I came at a right time at the right age when social media was on the rise to make it work out for me. And the same goes for the promoters at the time. They didn't understand what a good photographer can do for them and their show. I mean, there's always going to be someone that's going to do free work for you, but we know that free work isn't always good work. Or if it's free, there's always some kind of catch behind the offer. And for me, working as a regular fight photographer for many promotions, it's about building the relationships with promoters and being transparent with what you want to offer them and how it's going to help their brand grow. So by creating these relationships with promoters, you understand what they're after, what they're trying to showcase, and you work with that. For me, I'm not here just to take cool photos for myself. If I'm being hired, I'm here to create personalized contents for the promotions and showcase their product. Mm-hmm. And you also worked a bit for CM to Sydney, which is a relatively small show compared to something like Rebellion. What is that like and how do the do the photos differ? It's very intimate. I can I would say that. It there's no ring girls, there's no auctions. It's it takes place in a smaller venue. It's a very family oriented show even the food and catering it's, it's all done by the local ties there so sometimes that's some of the best thai food i've ever had it almost <laughs> feels like being in thailand mm-hmm. and the, the shows that andy puts on it's it's very intimate mm. 
do you feel like it helps create certain types of photos easier than a larger show? It's the same, really. I had the same. I had the same process when I'm capturing fights. So if it's whether it be a small show or a big show, I'll make everyone look the same. Mm. And something I talked about with Perry in my last interview was sort of the difference between capturing shots and then creating them. I feel like uh, you've mentioned a little more that you like to capture these authentic moments. Do you think that when you do that, you're sort of pre-composing the shot in your head or are you um, just capturing this random moment or not random moment, but yeah. a moment? That's a very good question. Um, bit of both really. I would, wouldn't say I'm doing much altering. I see a sh- I see something happen and then I would position myself in a in a way where I can capture it how I how I envisioned it in my head and going back to what I said about doing the artwork I'm thinking could that be used for a poster could that be used for a canvas and then that's how I frame my shots that way without asking people to move or doing too much alterations mm. because if you have to do anything you can do that in post production or in Photoshop. Um, You've also talked a little bit about social media. How big of a role do you feel photographers play in the world of social media? I mean, who doesn't want to have their Facebook profile be of them half naked in short shorts with their hands being raised? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good and bad, really. And um, Well, here's a fun fact. I, oh, sorry, you lost my chain of thought there. <laughs> you were about um, to uh, say a fun fact about social yeah. media and photography. I think my photography helps the sport by providing fighters and trainers with many, many Tinder, Grinder, and Facebook profile <laughs> pictures. Because in the brief time I was on Tinder, I saw many female fighters use my photos as their profile pictures. And they were even <laughs> nice enough to leave my watermark semi-cropped. So you could still see the WL. Uh-huh. So if anyone's listening and my photos helped you get any dates, please let me know. Yeah. Did uh, it work well on Grinder as well? We'll talk off air about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, seriously, I tried to capture the artistic and emotive side of fight sports. And yeah, of course, it can end up being a blood sport. But there are moments in a sport where you see beautiful high-level techniques. And when you go, when you go through social media, it's all the action shots, it's all the KO shots. So I try to, these days I try to be a bit more different and get more the emotive side of things just to stand out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you're able to create more emotive uh, photos? Is there certain techniques or you feel like you just do it from experience? I think that's based on my personality. I think I'm naturally introverted. So I speak more with my photos and I try to use that to express as much emotion and words as I can. And that's Mm -hmm. also helpful when you know the fighters, you know what their nature is like and you just want to accurately depict that. And I think that's helpful when I'm backstage, all the fighters in the scene, they know I'm not there to make them look bad. They know I'm there to do a job and we're all friends at the end of the day. Mm. Um. Have you had difficulties at all managing um, your photos and people's feelings? Like, you know, people, as a photographer, you will take shots of people getting pretty injured or maybe moments of embarrassment. Uh, How do you navigate that issue? Yeah, I got over that pretty quickly. When I was working, well, before I was working, I was in a corner of my teammates and seeing my teammates lose and having to take photos of that really helped me develop early on in my career. And like I said, I'm pretty conscious with myself and what I put out there. So I run it through many personal filters in my head before I upload them, just trying to make sure I don't cause a stir. But no, it's never really been an issue. Never, I've never been pulled up on anything like that. But one time a ring girl did message me to ask to take down a photo because I think I got a bad side or something. 
<laughs> that's funny. Uh, do you feel like um, people in Australia try and monitor their the photos and social media that goes out a lot? Or uh, I know for when I talked to Perry in my last interview, she definitely felt that people monitored a lot, uh, but it's Americans. I definitely don't feel that that happens here in Thailand. So I was curious yeah. if people in Australia really monitor their social media presence in terms of the photo the photos that you put out. I don't think so, but because I work a lot in box, I'll, apart from Muay Thai, I do do work with mixed martial art fighters, boxers, kickboxers, and grapplers. I think it comes down to the in individual, um, but mm -hmm. more so Thai fighters here, they're more open about with their social, with whether they lost a fight or won a fight, they would make a post about that. I mean, we've both seen many prize fighters only post up the glory days and their shots of them looking good and that's mm -hmm. what i want to do for the sport with my photography and also my podcast to show beginners that you know everyone's vulnerable mm -hmm. no one's no one is 100 percent all the time mm. and you are a full-time photographer now correct uh i'm freelancing so i guess mm -hmm. so but i also do a lot of graphic design work i was doing a lot of work with uh, andy parnham and sinaji with their social media work for the gyms during the covid period so that mm -hmm. kept me busy for a bit too what is that side of your photography and sort of business like what do you do specifically and um how how do you like it how do you feel about it i I picked up a lot of graphic design work, marketing work, social media and photography work through my gym clients and the people I've met in the sport. And it's it's pretty fun because I feel like I know the market pretty well. I know the audience and I'm just putting cool things together. Every now and then I do get to move on to do some corporate branding work, but I always find myself coming back to the fight sports. How is a corporate branding work different from fight sports? A lot more formal. <laughs> I've even photographed a few weddings and I tell everybody, I feel more relaxed photographing fight shows than I do at weddings because I don't feel like I do well in those kind of environments. I'm very stiff. I'm very tight. Why is it because you know everyone in the fight scene that you feel more relaxed or... Why do you feel that, like there's that that uh, rupture between the two I, styles? I think, um, I think there's that level of familiarity. I do know, know the people. I know the cues. I know the social cues. I know my place. Whereas at a wedding, it's not my kind of place to be. So I do feel like a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. And so you've been doing photography for the last nine plus years. Uh could you sort of talk about some of the history and major personalities and players in the Australian scene? Um, well, luckily, I had my start in Australia. So I've been spoiled with so many personalities like John Wayne Parr and Nathan Corbett, Sam Greco and Stan Longinides. When I started MMA, this was about 2009, 2010, the MMA scene wasn't quite there yet, but we had a whole family of legends in Muay Thai and kickboxing and these guys would always be ringside and just sit down just like all of us so it it built a strong community of fight sports from the get-go mm -hmm. um and what has it been like working with some of the bigger names and personalities like John Wayne Parr uh, you do do you have a in focus series on him I do it's gonna be released in a few weeks mate mm -hmm. so <laughs> What has it been like taking photos of his career over time? Well, when I started doing photography, I was very bummed out because that was when he announced his first of many retirement fights. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, oh man, I will never get to see him fight again. And then the Toby Smith fight happened. And then I was able to witness that. And then a retirement. And then, I don't know, hopefully I get to see him again, see him ringside. But 
it's a very humbling experience seeing someone like him be so down to earth. The most nervous I've been seeing a fighter was when I met Borkow at a seminar. Mm. I was 22 at the time. I was nervous. I got my five minutes with him to do a private photo shoot and then that was it. And I think ever since then, I, I learned to be a bit more chilled. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you you have to be a professional. You can't be too much of a fanboy. I mean, you can do that after it's not after the camera's away. Mm. And I know you talked a little bit about it with uh, your interview with Tom Gathercole, but how how does equipment play a part in your photography and what sort of equipment do you use? Um, yeah, so I was talking to, to Tom about camera gear and whether it matters or not. I in my opinion, it's yes and no. I mean, I'm not the most technical person when it comes to camera gear, but in my opinion, fancy camera gear early on in your career can distract you from your primary objective. You might get too fixated on the shutter speed, the bokeh, and you end up missing the raw emotions you missed the shot for that matter. I started off doing this with borrowed equipment from my school and from my dad. It had poor ISO capabilities and poor shutter speeds. I had to learn how to time my shots and time the kicks and you know, having basic gear taught you the art of reading fighters and reading their techniques. So when I finally got a chance to do the pro shows, you know, I learned the craft pretty early on. And, you know, when you have two guys having the first amateur fights, technique usually goes out the window. So mm -hmm. at the start, it was a challenge to capture, trying to capture some decent looking techniques through timing and through tricky compositions. And an example I like to give is, when someone says, I love your photos, what gear do you use? What settings are you on? It's almost like saying to a fighter, I love your fight so well. You kick so well. What gloves do you use? What pads do you use? What bags do you use? <laughs> what shorts help you kick so high? Yeah, I think you said the almost exact word for word quote uh, with your interview with Tom Gathercall. Uh, I was listening to it earlier today and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It was the way to describe it to fight fans so that they could understand it it was mm -hmm. yeah and well i'll tell you what i shoot with now right now i shoot with a nikon d4s but i'll mm -hmm. work my way up i'll work my way up to what i have now it's, it's a piece of equipment that's reliable and it just allows me to do my job time after time that's mm -hmm. all it is yeah but i said um, the time we can still achieve similar results with you know basic kit lens yeah. I mean, I feel like even now uh, you can use iPhones and get very, very good photos out of them, you know, especially if you're just posting on social media. I've never yeah. been much of an equipment guy myself, um, but, you know, I do know that it matters to some degree. I don't know. I mean, there's basic rules that you just need to follow. Like when I'm shooting, I like to try and get up and close to not show any ring ropes because that helps give the audience the experience of almost being ringside or cage side and having that low angle and low perspective helps give that dramatic feel. Mm. And what are some of your goals with your photography and sort of your business in terms of Muay Thai? Um, well, I was, at a, I was at a standstill in the last few years with my fight photography. In Australia, we used to have a magazine called the international kickboxer and that was a source of fight news before social media before facebook it was out every two months and it would give all the news that was going on in fight sports australia and my goal back then was to get my photo on a cover and then i got that by having photos of toby smith and borkow so these days i'm trying to get more experience in working overseas with international shows but now I have more fun building and working relationships and having good friendships with the people I meet in the sport and just sharing this, these experiences with people through my photography and through my in-focus show. Have Did you do a lot of work with um, International Kickboxer? I remember reading it uh, when I first started Muay Thai oh, yeah. about 10, 15 years ago and sort of recognizing names but not necessarily understanding the context of everything yeah 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 it got to a point when i was one of their go-to photographers i would always be sending in photos for them to use for full page uh, full page spreads or 
articles because over the last nine or ten years, I've got enough content with a lot of fighters in Australia. So whenever they would need profile shots or action shots, I'll just send them to them. Mm. And what was working with them like? What did you learn from that experience? <laughs> well, like I said earlier, I was very young and naive at the time. So I was able to tolerate a lot of the pushback I received. But mm-hmm. hey, it was all part of the learning experience, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get payment and all that stuff. It's it's very hard trying to get payment for your photography, as you mm-hmm. would know. Yeah. I remember... I remember working up the courage to even ask for a free ticket in exchange for um, being able to take um, photos ringside. And you were, I, I assume you were allowed. I mean, one of the reasons why I started doing photography and journalism was so I could have access uh, backstage or right Absolutely. to ringside. Yep. And it's almost like what Timo said, you had to work your way up there. You, it's mm-hmm. not given to you. And yeah, you know, back then I was a young kid. I couldn't afford to go to the fights every week. So I wanted to find my way closer and closer. And then eventually you just become more embedded into the scene. So you're, you're still a fight fan, but you're also, you're also like a contributing worker for the fight sports. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think that photographers and journalists play an important role in the sport. Uh, we give a lot of context and information that if it wasn't there, the the muscles of the fight wouldn't be working. You know, yeah. we're the backbone of the sport in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at the ring or even the cage, the ringside tables, they're usually reserved for the officials or for the VIPs and friends of the promoters. But to be given a spot at that table, you're taking away a spot from someone else. And to me, I take that very seriously. It's a privilege to be given a spot like that. So I want to utilize that spot to the best of my abilities. Mm. And it's also um, the promoter, promoter for understanding the value that photography and videography can bring to the sport and also the promotion. Is there, what are some of the things that you've learned in uh, doing your fight photography as a business? What are things that you sort of set up as guidelines for when you're dealing with clients? Um, I know it's cliche, but you can't always think about the money. The money will come. Mm-hmm. Just think about producing the art. Just think about producing consist- consistent artwork for your promoters, for your clients. If you're too fixed on making the sale, you become, I don't like that word, but too much like a businessman. Mm-hmm. I've seen photographers backstage sucking up two fighters saying, bro, I love you. You're the best fighter. Please buy these photos, you know, get this deal now or get this deal tomorrow. I'm there just as a fan. I'm, I'm there as their friend. I'm there to capture the event. And if you like what you see, then hit me up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just wrapping things up, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty good. Your questions were great, Matt. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for answering them. And I really appreciate you taking your time out. Uh, can we expect, um, any shoots or content coming out soon? I know you are regularly putting out the in focus series. It's about once a week on Tuesdays, I want to say. Uh, Mondays for us in Australia. Uh-huh. Monday Mondays released on YouTube. Well, I'll have the John Wayne Parr episode up in a few weeks. My most recent one was with Nugget McNaughton. That was a very, very interesting episode. I, I have a lot of respect for him as a trainer and love doing pads with him. So that was a great one. Yeah, I actually got to listen to that one earlier today. It was really interesting. I feel like... There's a lot of legendary Australians that, as an American, I sort of know, but not in that much depth. So seriously, we're, like we're very spoiled over here. You guys have your UFC MMA fighters, and then we have our kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters. Yeah. Yeah, and Nugget McNaught has been around for ages. He was on the um, Contender reality TV show as a coach, wasn't he? Yes, yes. 
So that was what, 15, 10 years ago? Once say about 15 I years ago, give away, I don't want to give away his age, but yeah, it's probably about that time. So, oh, definitely. I also have another episode coming up with Adam King that's going to be released soon, and we we give you a bit of a plug too, Matt. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll definitely look out for that one, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to my big match with uh, Adam at some point soon. I mean, I told everyone I'm retired from fighting, but who knows? I might even have an undercard fight. <laughs> yeah that would be good i think i can take adam easily too we'll tag him in this <laughs> <laughs> okay well uh thank you so much um i really appreciate you taking your time out oh, thank you matt thanks for the opportunity So some great information from William Liu there. Um, I thought that the real highlight was him talking about what equipment he used. It's really, really important for people to understand that photography is a skill. It's not just your equipment. Uh, William got so good because he spent in a lot of time and hours taking photos over and over. And he started at the bottom taking photos of his friends. Uh, taking photos of his teammates and working his way up. So it's also interesting seeing the difference between social media for him in Australia versus in America with Perry. Uh, so we're, I'm looking forward to more conversations with photographers. Uh, I think I'll be doing two more in this series. Thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to follow me or reach me, you can follow me at Matt Lucas BKK. William Liu is available on Instagram at WLF Photography. And thank you once again. This has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters make stronger people.